Happy Friday. Welcome to a Football and Fights Friday on Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can do that. Uh, you can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I am at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com. The music you're listening to provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X is where the A's would be. And you can find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. Got a lot to cover on the show today. CFL. NFL, some MMA, and some boxing as well. Covered the wrestling in a great amount of detail yesterday on the Fresh Take Network, so uh, not going to go too much into the WWE stuff or the the G1. We kind of covered all of that on that podcast. I re, uh, retweeted it and reposted everything on my social media accounts, or you can just look for uh, the Fresh Take Network to find all of that stuff. So if you're looking for the wrestling opinions, that's where all of that is going to be. Let's get into where we're going to start with the football stuff first and close with the fighting today. We will start in the National Football League. It is week seven. We've been hovering hovering around, excuse me, uh, 500 with our predictions all season long. Looking for a breakout week. Last week, the the Buffalo Bills hurt at the end. We go 5-8-1 and one last week. So not, not great, but we're pushing through. We will start Atlanta taking on the Miami Dolphins. The Falcons coming in as two and a half point favorites. The over-under set at 47 and a half. A huge rest advantage for Atlanta, who's both of these teams last played um, overseas at Tottenham. They Falcons did that two weeks ago, and then they got a bye. Miami did that a week ago, and then they didn't get a bye. So there is a huge rest advantage for Atlanta. Miami just isn't very good so far this season. Neither of these teams great. Atlanta actually ranking dead last in the league in DVOA, 29th in offensive efficiency, 30th in defensive efficiency. Miami, not a whole lot better. In fact, offensively, worse. They're 28th uh, in DVOA. 30th offensive efficiency, and I believe 26th defensively, my handwriting is atrocious. This is one, I'm going to go Miami plus two and a half, because I was big on Miami this season, and this is me being stubborn, to be perfectly honest with you. (laughs) I don't think either of these teams are very good, as just laid out. I, I have to believe that another week with Tua... It's still not a usual week for Tua because you're coming back from England and it's just, you're not coming back with regular rest. But I do feel like another week of Tua being a little bit healthier helps things out a little bit. I almost wonder if it would have been better for him to just not make the flight over to, to England and get spend your time resting here, especially now seeing how that game worked out. But I am going to go, the official pick is Miami plus two and a half. Uh, but know that I don't feel great about it. Carolina taking on the New York Jets, the line or Giants, sorry, the line is Carolina minus three. The total sits at 43. And you want to know the impact of Christian McCaffrey. Darnold's efficiency with CMC in the lineup, 11.9%. His efficiency without CMC in the lineup, minus 43.1. This offense, and look, I don't even think last week was Darnold's fault. Last week, this team could not catch anything for Sam Darnold. I can't, I just can't believe that that continues against a a Giants defense that everyone tells me is good, but they rank 25th in defensive efficiency. I think the big key in this game is Carolina's defense. I think they're going to be able to shut down the Giants. I don't hate the under at 43, but I will take Carolina minus the three points in this game, and that's one of the ones I'm feeling confident about this week. This is an interesting one. Cincinnati taking on Baltimore. I thought coming in, 
this is going to be an opportunity to take advantage of people being high on Cincinnati. I thought Baltimore would come in at a low number. They're six and a half point favorites in this one. The total sits at 46.5. This is a how for real are you really Cincinnati matchup here. I I don't think they're on Baltimore's level. I think Baltimore needs to get more conversation about being the best team in the National Football League and certainly the best team in the AFC. I think they show it here. I think this ends up being a pretty impressive win for Baltimore. I think they come away with uh, a win of at least a touchdown. So I like the Ravens minus six and a half there. I would get that one before it gets to the key number of seven. Kansas City taking on Tennessee. The Kansas City Chiefs come in at four and a half point favorites. The total on this game is 57 and a half, which I think is the biggest one we've seen all season. That is absolutely insane. But when you look at it, neither of these teams stop anything. Uh, Kansas City specifically can't stop anything on the ground. And Derrick Henry is an absolute monster. Um, like he almost shouldn't be allowed to be used. In fact, I didn't even look at DraftKings. I'm betting he's he's probably more expensive than a lot of the quarterbacks this week. It, it's it's just it, it is such a plus matchup for Derrick Henry and for the Tennessee Titans that you can see why 57 and a half is the uh, the total here. Okay, Henry's only at only he's only at nine thousand two hundred dollars. Which does put him as uh, the the most expensive player in daily fantasy this week. So more expensive than every quarterback is Derrick Henry. That is unbelievable to to wrap your head around. It'd be interesting to try to put a ticket together with him there. But the thing that's impressed me about Tennessee over the last little bit, like their defense gets a bit of a break with, with the the fourth and one call for the the Buffalo Bills. I don't hate going for it there. I just didn't really love the play call. But they, they've been positive efficiency in passing in three of the last four games, and that's even without A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. So th- this is an offense that has been able to get it done through the air as well. They live off of play action. I think this is... Uh, if there's one punt in this game, I, I would be stunned. You look at Kansas City, everyone kind of down on them. And the defense is very, very bad. But offensively, this is a team that put up 31 points against Washington last week and turned the ball over three times in Washington territory. I just don't think Tennessee is able to keep up with Kansas City. I I think Kansas City wins this one, and I think they cover four and a half. But this is going to be a really fun game. New York Jets on the road at Foxborough taking on the Patriots. The Pats are seven-point favorites. The total is set at 42.5. The Jets have the worst offense in the NFL, and part of that goes to what they did against the New England Patriots a few weeks ago. New England absolutely ate Zach Wilson alive. I think that's what happens here. I I actually like both in this. I, I like the under 42.5. This kind of screams like a 20-3 football game, and I like New England minus 7, so those are uh, a couple of the ones that I have an eye on there. Green Bay taking on Washington. The total is at 48.5. Green Bay is an 8-point favorite. The scary thing for Washington in this game is how bad their defense has been this season. Uh, 29th in defensive efficiency, and I think even the people who were the hardest on this defense is overrated didn't think this defense would be this bad. It has been atrocious, and we're, we're still waiting to see at the time of this recording who's Washington's quarterback this week, but 
this this just does not feel like a game that they're going to be close in. I, I don't think that their defense is going to be able to stop Green Bay, and I don't think their offense is going to be able to keep up. I get eight is a big spread, but I like Green Bay minus the eight. I, I think this is a pretty sound and thorough ass kicking, and I think there's going to be a lot of questions asked in Washington after this game. Detroit taking on the Rams, LA, 16-point favorites. The total is at 50.5. This was the week, because we heard all last week that Vegas got their asses kicked. This was a week where I was like, fine, you guys want to take the, the favorites? 16 points. Have fun with your cute little teases. You want to tease the Rams down to 9? Be my guest. Uh, and the, uh, I guess, kind of rule of thumb for teases is it has to go through a couple of key numbers. So you would ideally want it to go through a seven and through a three down into the, the two and a half, two range. Uh, this certainly does not do that with the tease at 16. And I still like the Rams minus 16. Stafford is the, the most efficient quarterback in the NFL, according to football outsiders. This offense is third in the National Football League against the 27th defense. I think Detroit's going to try really hard. And I, I think Jared Goff is going to try really, really hard for a, a Jared Goff revenge game. But I could almost see Sean McVay just kind of being like, hey, this is what it should look like. And putting on a show for Jared Goff. I think the Rams win by a bunch. 16. Uh, I think they cover that one. Philadelphia taking on Vegas. An interesting matchup with the Raiders. Uh, favored by three. The total is at 48 and a half. Philadelphia... Overall efficiency, 18th. Offensive efficiency, 18th. Defensive efficiency, 18th. This is a very average football team. And you face a Raiders team that the, the stats don't really like what Vegas has done so far. But I, I think that was an inspired performance last week. I, I think that Denver making it close late kind of masks the fact that this was a three-touchdown game going to the fourth quarter last week. I'm not buying anything on this Philadelphia offense. I, I think the Raiders get it done. The three concern me a little bit, and it's one of the, the better money line numbers for a favorite this week. So I went Vegas um, just at minus 150 on the money line. I, I'm not going to play around with any spreads in this game. Chicago taking on Tampa Bay. The total is at 47. The Bucks are 11.5 point favorites. Their past defense has been the story this season, and they have struggled in that area. I don't know if Justin Fields and this offense is going to take advantage of this, and quite frankly, I don't trust Matt Nagy to try to take advantage of it. I think they are still going to try to run the ball. I, I think Tampa Bay kills them in this game. I, I don't think this one is particularly close. I don't have a high opinion on the Chicago coaching staff. I'm not the hugest Fields guy, as we've talked about before. I, I think this is a... I do not think this is a team that take, can take advantage of the weaknesses that Tampa Bay has. So I, I think the Bucks will cover 11 and a half. Houston taking on Arizona, another huge spread at 17 and a half. The total sits at 47 and a half. Arizona's offense has been incredible this season. And I, I'm going to hate myself for this, but I'm taking the under on this game at 47 and a half. This could be 40 to nothing. But that's still under 47 and a half. I don't know how Houston's scoring points in this game. Arizona's defense has almost been as impressive as their offense has been this season. I, I don't know if Houston's defense, they went from 15th in defensive efficiency last week to 20th this week after they got crushed by Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts have always done that to the Houston Texans, regardless of personnel. But I... I don't like betting the under in any Kyler Murray game. The, the guy is playing at an MVP level right now, and that will continue this week. But I just don't think Houston's offense is going to put up the points to get this one over that 47 and a half. 
Sunday night football. It is San Francisco taking on the Indianapolis Colts. The 49ers are four-point favorites taking on an Indianapolis team that has struggled at times but coming off a nice performance the total is at 43 and a half I'm going under on that it sounds like weather is going to be a major factor this week in in San Francisco sounds like it's going to be windy and rainy and just gross so this 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 feels like a grind out a 17-7 win for for San Francisco so I, I like the under in this one the, the 49ers kind of got to get going. I, I picked them to win the division, and they, they're middle of the pack right now. And you look at the Rams' schedule coming up. They got Detroit this week, at Houston next week. Then they get the Titans, and then it's a matchup with the 49ers in a few weeks' time. San Francisco really needs to pick it up. I think they start that with a win here. New Orleans on the road in Seattle. I am going against my rule of betting on, of not betting on Saints games. I love Saints minus four and a half. Uh, Geno Smith and Seattle showed me nothing that makes me think that they'll be able to hang around in this game with New Orleans. I think the, the Saints will be able to take advantage of a bad Seattle defense. I think this is a good matchup for Jameis. I like New Orleans minus four and a half. So those are your NFL picks. Moving into the Canadian Football League, Toronto against Montreal tonight really interests me. You have a Montreal team, they make the Trevor Harris trade, he's not available for the game this week, so we'll see what they do at quarterback, but Toronto has struggled on the road this year at two and three. Toronto at minus one and a half intrigues me greatly. I, I think that this is a Toronto team that is for real, and I think this was a Montreal team that has a lot of talent, but I think Vernon Adams has them at the point they are at. I, I think with no Vernon Adams, this hurts Montreal a lot. So I, I like Toronto in this game. I'm surprised it's people feel this one is as close as it is. Now, to the team that I am the closest with. I have concerns about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Just to go back four weeks ago and think that there's an opportunity that Saskatchewan won't be hosting the West semifinal, it was unimaginable that this team was so far ahead of BC and Calgary and Edmonton, but that one stayed the same, that there was just, there was, the thought didn't really even enter my mind. And even if standings-wise it looked a little bit closer, I thought talent-wise Saskatchewan was just so, 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 so clearly ahead of both of those teams but now Calgary has won three in a row two of them coming against Saskatchewan and you start to see some holes in the Saskatchewan armor I guess and you, you start to take a deeper look at Saskatchewan there are five teams in the CFL that are at or above 500 right now Saskatchewan's one of them they haven't played themselves but of the other ones Winnipeg Calgary Toronto and Montreal the only team in there that they've beat is Toronto, and that's once. And now, that's all they've played them, and they haven't faced Montreal. That one's coming up next week. But still, Saskatchewan has benefited greatly from playing lesser teams this season and taking advantage of that. They have a win against BC, uh, a couple of wins against BC, that's impressive, and that helps things along. Um, and, and the win against Toronto was a good win for them, but this is still a team that has not shown that they can beat quality teams in big moments and I just I have those concerns about the Saskatchewan team again and and you start if they lose this game you start to look at Craig Dickinson and I think you start to look at Cody Fajardo and I get that there have been injuries however you have one of the best running backs in the league in William Powell and there have still been players around him stepping up and I get he's frustrated about the deep balls and all of those I personally don't think Fajardo is a very good deep ball quarterback and then 
you look at what he is getting this week, Shaq Evans and Duke Williams, both in the lineup for Saskatchewan this week, the excuses are gone for Cody Fajardo. If this is another week of a disappointing night for Saskatchewan against a good football team, then I think a lot of questions are going to be asked in the prairies about what is going on at the key position with this football team. There's a lot to like about Fajardo, and I'm not saying you just release him, and I'm not saying you start Isaac Harker, because I don't think that's the answer either. But I do think you have to look at what this Saskatchewan team has done against quality opposition and really start to evaluate what you actually have at the quarterback position in Saskatchewan. music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. And you can find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. As mentioned before, went on the Fresh Take Network to talk about uh, Crown Jewel and the G1 and all of that. So not going to be a ton of professional wrestling coverage this week. Do want to shout out a guy who has been on this show quite a bit in Giorana. Happy birthday to G. I still need to send you a text. Uh, but yes, check out the One Fall podcast where uh, I give all of my thoughts on the professional wrestling world after Crown Jewel yesterday. So we get into the MMA discussion and an interesting matchup that was supposed to be at 185 pounds of the last two victims for Israel Adesanya as you have Paulo Costa taking on Marvin Vittori. Costa coming off of the loss to Israel Adesanya and quite frankly following that up by embarrassing himself in the media over and over and over again saying oh I was drunk I was hung and then apparently my dude showed up 25 pounds overweight this week so now this fight is at 205 pounds it is at the point where you wonder if he loses this week does he get cut cuz there was there was a lot of hype surrounding him the fight against Yoel Romero wasn't spectacular and then Israel Adesanya big brothered him and since then he's made an ass of himself and that would include this week just showing up wildly unprepared and I, I do, again, we've talked about this a number of times on a number of platforms. This is something that I find unacceptable. This is part of your job. It, it is great to go in there and do the face punching and the ass kicking and all of that. That And that, that cannot be easy. But making your contractual weight is part of the job. It would be like me going on traditional radio and saying, look, I put on a good show. Yes, I swore a bunch, but still, it's a good show. No, 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 no. Part of the job is not swearing, which is why I like this platform a whole lot more. There's, to me, there's no excuse for this type of uh, of behavior and showing up this much overweight. Um, and, and not, like, there might be something that comes out after, like, oh, well, this, this, and this happened. Well, then fine, don't take the fight then. Like, there's just... We've had people pull out from injuries. If there is something going on in your personal life or if there is something going on with you physically that you cannot make the weight, aside from just, eh, I didn't want to, then pull out of the fight and don't have this happen. It's just, it's an embarrassing look for Costa. And I do wonder if he loses, if this is it for Costa in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. I think Bellator would sign him up in a heartbeat, but I don't know if he's a needle mover for Bellator at all. Like, I don't, I don't think that the UFC would 
hurt a lot if Costa was not on the roster. Now, if he goes out and wins, you can't really cut him after that, but I think a loss here for Paulo Costa could cost him his job with the Ultimate Fighting Championship. For Marvin Vittori, he's also coming off of the loss against Adesanya, where he showed that he still has a long way to go to get to a championship level. I'm interested to see what he works on. The problem is, I don't think Costa on the feet is going to necessarily show what Vittori has been able to do and what advances he's been able to make in the stand-up department. I think this goes five rounds. I think Vittori gets it done. And Marvin Vittori plus 185 by decision is something that interests me. There's not a whole lot else on this card that jumps out. I think the biggest fight of the weekend is actually in Bellator's heavyweight division as Fedor Emelianenko takes on Tim Johnson in what I believe is Fedor's last hurrah in North America. I, I think that this is a guy who's probably going to be fighting in Russia until he's 100 and just fighting random guys in a bar who are probably paid to lose. Um, I, I think I, I think Fedor kind of transitions into more ambassador for whatever promotion might be going on in Russia. I, I think that's something that um, I, I think that's something we see from Fedor now. I, I think that this is it for him in North America. I, I do believe that his camp views Tim Johnson as a bit of an easier opponent. Johnson is favored in this one. I think Fedor plus 200 is interesting. But the reason I want to talk about this fight is because I think that there are now a couple of generations that don't truly get the greatness of Fedor. Because th there was a part where he it, it looked like he had fallen off, right? And he has certainly fallen off from his elite level. But he was the first true GOAT in the heavyweight division. And I think he still deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore of heavyweight fighters and, and quite frankly, of MMA fighters. Like, I, I still think when we are talking about pound-for-pound all-time greats, um, like, I, I have George St. Pierre as my number one because of positive tests for John Jones and for Anderson Silva. And I understand that... Um, I understand that Fedor like, was not subject to a lot of those drug testing policies, but neither were the people that he faced. So I, I still think that he is someone who needs to be up there in that all-time great discussion, and certainly at heavyweight. Stipe Miocic with a great run. I think that if Prime Cain Velasquez fought Prime Fedor, that Prime Cain Velasquez would win, but Cain's injury issues just kept him from reaching that level. So I, I would honestly still consider Fedor one of the top two or three heavyweights of all time. When you look at the resume, couple of wins over Big Nog, beat Sammy Schilt, beat Heath Herring, beat Mark Coleman, and Kevin Randleman, and still has one of the top heavyweight fights of all time when he beat Mirko Krokop. It is easy to forget the mystique around this guy because he never made it to the ultimate... Um, he never made it into the Ultimate Fighting Championship because of different things going on in those negotiations. It's certainly not because he wasn't good enough. Um, it, it is. It was all a money thing, and it's it's too bad that there is that legacy there, but I think he's easily the best fighter to never step foot in the UFC's octagon. Uh, so th this fight, if it is Fedor's last in North America... Fedor just in North America was an interesting ride for sure, but Fedor, the MMA fighter, we, we should never forget the greatness of this fighter because he was just, he was on a level that it is difficult to explain when you just look at him and he's kind of a, a doughy Russian dude. This guy was an absolute assassin for a decade and just unbeatable 
for years and years and years. Moving into the boxing world, just a couple of quick notes. Uh, Shakur Stevenson back in the ring this week against Jamel Herring. And Stevenson was someone who had a lot of hype surrounding him, an Olympic silver medalist, and, and he's had a fine career so far, but he hasn't really caught people's attention. And I don't know if this is going to be the fight that all of a sudden rockets him into superstardom, but... Like, there were times early in his career where, okay, these are the pound-for-pound guys, and Stevenson's one of the next ones. And he just, he hasn't found that again. I think this is, a, I don't think, an easy win for him, but I, I think it is a, a pretty clear win for him. I think he goes by decision. Uh, minus 150 Stevenson by decision interests me greatly in this bout. I, I just think he's better than Jamel Herring. I, I think Herring is fine, but Stevenson should have the tools to get this done. It is about... What can he do in this fight to grab people's attention? And then what can he do after this fight to grab people's attention? I, I think this is a guy who kind of needs a big marquee bout and uh, a couple of big marquee feuds to get people interested in him. Uh, also, Mike Coppinger with a story from uh, for ESPN on the latest in the Teofimo Lopez-George Cambosis fight, which is now scheduled for November 27th at New York's Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden. Uh, the bout will now be streamed on DAZN. This is the ninth date for this fight, which was originally scheduled for May 29th, then June 5th, then June 19th, then Lopez tests positive for COVID, uh, so the, the fight had to be moved once again. Initially, it was supposed to be on Triller after a purse bid um, of 6.018 million dollars. Earlier this month, uh, the IBF found Triller to be in default after another attempted date change. So, Matchroom Boxing now gets this one, and now it's going to be on DAZN. The, the prices for the fighters have changed a lot, and it's really unfortunate. And I think even with, like, in the grand scheme of things, I think Lopez only loses a few hundred thousand dollars, which, I mean, I would not enjoy losing a few hundred thousand dollars. But... I do think that the biggest hit for Lopez is that he should have had in this time, because like I said before, this fight was scheduled on to initially to happen on May 29th, May 29th. That's five months ago. He could have conceivably had two fights in this time and build off of that momentum that he had after the Lomachenko fight that at the time had him as the number one pound for pound fighter. Now, according to ESPN, he's number six. This is a fight. They just need to get this thing over with and let Lopez move on. I think there's a Lomachenko rematch that, that needs to happen at some point, but Lopez has just faded so far away from the the main talking points in boxing right now that it, it's just, it's become too much of an issue. The, the, this fight has become such a detriment, and I don't think a win over George Gambosis is going to get that relevancy back for him. So the, this is one I think he needs to win this one in spectacular fashion, and then try to get a fight almost right away after it, to, just to try to get back what he has lost in this whole debacle, because th this has been a nightmare right from the word go for Teofimo Lopez. That is going to do it for the show. Thank you guys for downloading and listening to me today. Again, if you have any comments on anything, send them my way on Twitter and Instagram at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. If you want to find the music that is provided for the show, just search out Waste of Talent. They got some good stuff out now. Uh, you can find them on Instagram at Waste of Talent and with X's where the A's would be. And you can find their producer on Instagram at Tommy fresh music. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Talk to you on Monday. I'm out.